Hi, I'm Brittany. I'm Amy. And I'm Katie, better known as Joiner. We are three best friends and professionals, pediatric speech-language pathologists, and moms who try really, really hard. But we are by no means experts. In many cases, we will be learning right along with you. The advice we offer is of a general nature and certainly does not replace the advice of a medical professional. We hope you leave our conversation with something in your cup, whether it be laughter, new information, inspiration, a question. We hope we can fill your cup. Welcome to the Cup of Counsel podcast. Good morning. Welcome to the Cup of Counsel podcast. We are excited to have you here today with us. Thank you for listening. So to start us out, Brittany, what's in your cup today? Well, and my cup is coffee because we are once again doing a morning recording, which I kind of enjoy these morning I kind of like these too. Yeah, it's a really fun way to start a Saturday, start a weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have enthusiasm because in my cup, because one of our missions of this podcast is to learn right alongside you listeners. And that is exactly what we're doing today. We have Courtney here from Just Keep Stimming Instagram. And Courtney is an AAC user. So I'm just going to give a definition of AAC for those of you that don't know. AAC stands for Augmentative and Alternative Communication. It's a term that's used to describe various methods of communication that can help people who are unable to use verbal speech to communicate. AAC methods vary and may be personalized to meet each individual's needs. So Courtney is a 24-year-old autistic adult with multiple disabilities. She is non-speaking and uses an AAC device to communicate. In her free time, she likes to work on disability advocacy projects, snuggling with her cat, and racing against her caregiver in her wheelchair and winning. Welcome, Courtney. (laughs) It's so good to have you here today. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm very grateful. (laughs) We are excited. And I, um, Amy, have been chatting with you since I was looking back at our messages since like the end of February. So we've had some good conversations on a variety of topics. So I am especially excited to just see your face and be able to have a conversation with you this morning. (laughs) So to start off, would you just tell us um, a little bit about your journey as a disabled person? And you can, you know, go in as much detail as you want or as little detail as you want. Okay. That's a fun one for sure. Do you want me to start alphabetically or chronologically? (laughs) Actually, never mind. I got this. Some of my disabilities are ones that I was born with, such as being autistic, hard of hearing, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, those ones. Others are ones that didn't occur until later, like the five traumatic brain injuries, the neurocognitive disorder, stuff like that. The jury is still out on the dysautonomia, though, although we think it was there got worse after the brain injuries. As for the rest, apparently chronic illnesses are like Pokemon, and you gotta catch them all. I didn't get that memo, but we're going with it. Thank you for sharing all of that. And 
I just have to say that I love that you have a really good sense of humor about all of this because it would be very easy to not, you know. So I think your attitude and your personality is just so great. Um, do you mind sharing about the your five traumatic brain injuries? Because that is, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> And I think we're curious if you're if you're willing to share. Okay. So the first three were near the end of high school. One involved a shelf falling on my head, which was a little less than pleasant. Another one was my fault, because I was trying to get to my little brother at the park. He is also autistic like me, and was having a meltdown. I was running to him, and ran into a wooden beam at full speed. The third one, I was kicked in the head. They were all classified as severe concussions, but within the span of about two years or so within each other. That's when I ended up starting to struggle some with aphasia issues, although I always had a little trouble with speech. The last two were in college and did the most damage, we think. One was from a basketball within short range, even though I wasn't actually playing. That's my luck, honestly. And the other one was due to a previous caregiver, but I don't know how much more detail I can give. Okay, so Courtney mentioned that she experienced aphasia. And for those of you that don't know, aphasia is the loss of ability to understand or express speech caused by brain damage. Um, okay, Courtney. So one of our next questions we have for you is, I'm really excited about this one as a speech pathologist, but can you tell us as much or as little as you want about your communication journey? So what's your history with speech therapy? Um, what was a good fit, not a good fit as far as therapy approaches? Feel free to share with us whatever you would like about speech. So growing up, I could speak. It wasn't easy for me, although others thought it was. However, I was mostly talking in script and repeating my peers. Because I'm hard of hearing and my brother was also non-speaking for a bit, I also had access to American Sign Language, which was very helpful. I also like to use dry erase boards when communicating with friends as well as typing. When I was in college and evaluated by a neuropsychologist, he sent me to a speech therapist to work on the aphasia issues and the neurocognitive disorder. My speech therapist was honestly excellent. At this point I could still use speech, but it was very difficult to do and exhausting because it required so much mental work. She taught me a lot of tricks for word finding, writing things down, word association, and other things at the time. So did you get speech therapy as a young child? No. Okay. I did have regular therapy starting at age three, though. And they did work on some stuff like that, although I'm really not sure they were qualified for that. Got it. So you had kind of a... Total approach, therapy approach. Okay. Yeah. Often uh, for those listeners, speech therapists 
help and provide assistance with the devices. We have, you know, teams of people that research them and find the best one for our patients. So how did you find this device? So I was actually introduced to AAC by other AAC users. They knew I was struggling and introduced it to me. I told my speech therapist about it, and she was telling me at the time about how she had read an article on how AAC can help autistic adults who are seen as speaking but still have trouble with fully communicating effectively, and that she was all for it. My occupational therapist at the time also was supportive because he noted how my meltdowns decreased, I was more engaged in the transition to adulthood group, and more focused. As for the specific program itself, I didn't get it until my fourth brain injury, when speech went from difficult and tiring to where my brain simply just came to mouth words. Like there's a disconnect. The doctor said that was the aphasia. Very interesting. I'm so glad that you were introduced to this device. And for any other parents listening out there, definitely advocate for AAC um, as much as possible. I'm sure it has helped you tremendously. I'm really glad. Glad for you. Yeah. And I think uh, what I took a little bit from that is thank you for sharing that because as a speech therapist, I always like to get different perspectives from individuals and their journeys and their stories. And I think that was wonderful that you felt like your speech therapist was supportive um, in that maybe like non-traditional or I don't know if that's the right word, but like journey, you were introduced as AAC as an adult. We don't always see that. And the way that your brain was kind of wired at this point was that was an easier mode of communication for you. And you express that. And she sounds, she, I'm assuming it was a woman. Okay. Um, she was, I mean, there's wonderful male speech therapist too. My dad's one. Your dad. But yeah, yeah my dad's one. But um, <laughs> But I think you said she, so I assumed a woman. But that's wonderful that she was supportive and being like, okay, if you think that this is a good route, let me assist you in that route. We've had discussions with other guests of that was a really enlightening moment for me of like, we are not these communication saviors. Like we are tools to be used for our clients or our patients or our students. And I really like being viewed that way. I like being viewed as like, okay, let's work together as a team and let me be a helpful tool for you in your communication journey. So I think that that's wonderful that you felt supported and you found something that was beneficial for you and that you had a therapist that was supportive in that journey. That's really wonderful. And thank you for sharing that because I I took that away from that. So thank you. Being used to it was helpful when I ended up needing it full time. That's for certain. <laughs> so it just feels, I have a quick question and you addressed this. Verbal communication was just feeling exhausting for you. Okay. Yes. And so she's nodding her head. Yes. And I find that very interesting in terms of um, just how our brains work. It works so differently for everyone, for everybody. And so typing and using the AAC device for you is less exhausting. Okay. Yes. All right. That's that's interesting. And I think an important thing that you said, Courtney, too, that is good for anybody listening, especially, 
you know, parents of autistic children or children with communication difficulties, you saw a decrease in meltdowns and your, you know, overall stress level, I'm assuming, you know, when that pressure was removed um, from you to verbally communicate. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I think the interesting thing too, and maybe this is a change in thinking for all of us, which I feel this, this podcast has been a gift of change of thinking, which I'll address more with Courtney in a second. But I, I want to say even myself, and I don't know if every speech therapist feels that way. We're always looking, or maybe not always, but the viewpoint is to shoot for verbal every time. And you're, you were verbal, but, or speaking, I guess you're always verbal, but you're speaking and you were, it was easy for, easier for you to go to the AAC device, which I feel like some viewpoints are always like, you know, we can use this AAC device to achieve the goal of maybe becoming speaking someday. But yours was like, it's an interesting thing for me to think of like, well, wait, that might not be always the right route for everybody. Or maybe that's not the right route all the time. You know, yours was kind of the opposite. And it, we can't just look at one factor of like communication, you had less meltdowns and your stress levels were decreased. And so maybe the goal needs to be at what communication modality is the most beneficial, like all around for an individual. And it doesn't always have to be speaking, I guess. Or maybe even different moments. Some moments it's easy to say, yeah, or "Mm mm-hmm. And then the next moment, it's easier to type out an answer. So I think that total approach is how speech therapy should be addressed and with majority of our patients. I was able to spend time with friends at game nights, did way better in classes, was able to handle the public more easily, and so much more. I have a lot of friends who are AAC users, and they have found the same to be true for them too. A lot of people see AAC as limiting, but honestly, I find it very freeing. It's like my wheelchair. People see it as a negative, but for me, it gives me access to the world. That's awesome. And what our listeners don't see are all your gestures and facial expressions that you're doing while your device is producing the words. So, um... I feel like it's it's very natural like you're you're doing you're just doing great with it. So thank you for sharing that. I think people need to hear it. I think parents need to hear that. I think we need to hear it as speech pathologists and like Joyner was saying, a lot of times the focus for speech can be verbal 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 and we should be a tool for communication and communication looks differently in any situation. So thank you for sharing that with us. I'm happy that opened up so many parts of your world for you. That's amazing. I do have a question if you don't mind me asking, because I feel like this podcast, like we said, we have wanted to learn along with our listeners. And I think we are the first to admit that we have a lot to learn. And our intentions are always, usually, I would say always good. We mean to do well, but when you know better, you do better. And I will be the first to admit that I want to do better like we all want to. Do you mind sharing with me the best 
terms or like verbiage to use because I was going back and forth between speaking and verbal and nonverbal. And I would, I'm curious, like I have a friend and she was telling me like, well, now it's non-vocal, not non-verbal. Um, so if you don't mind sharing with us, because like I said, one of my favorite quotes is when you know better, you can do better. Um, I would appreciate what is the most valued terminology in terms of speaking versus non-speaking, AAC versus non-AAC, verbal versus non-verbal. So if you would like to share that, I would appreciate it. Most AAC users I know prefer non-speaking or AAC users. Okay, so non-speaking or AAC users. Okay, good. Thank you for that. I wanted to make sure that it was not, okay, non-speaking. Got it. Especially as professionals or if we meet, like when we meet new patients, I'm always, you know, I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. Would, would you suggest that we just ask the, most of the, most of us see children. So should we ask the parent what they prefer or the child if they can? Not sure. Kind of depends. So there's a group I'm in on Facebook called Ask Me. I'm an AAC user. And it's honestly a treasure trove of knowledge, especially because the AAC users get to have their voices heard first for the first 24 hours. People there may be full-time AAC users, part-time AAC users. People who have been non-speaking all their life, or recently, people who have discovered AAC is what their brain needs. They might be autistic or have apraxia, cerebral palsy, traumatic brain injury. It's a very good group to get information from. But the most important thing to note is that the experiences of the AAC users is very valuable information there. That's great. It was Ask Me AAC? Sorry, nope. Ask Me. I'm an AAC user. Ask me, I'm an AAC user. Got it. And that's on Facebook. Great. Thank you for sharing that. I think that will be very helpful. And like I think we've mentioned, you know, about learning along with our listeners and listening to the voices of of various people. That's the most important thing because it's easy as a professional to make assumptions you know, like that we know best, but we really need to keep working hard to listen to the voices of the people that we're, you know, trying to assist with, with things. So I think if there's, you said it's a treasure trove, I think that's good to know. And we'll definitely be checking that out. A lot of us are very used to not being listened to and can be very vulnerable to not having our autonomy respected So having a place where our voices are heard and listened to is extremely important. Can you share what advice, uh, let's see if I can word this the right way, you would give to your listeners? I know a speech pathologist, what the listeners are not hearing right now are the long pauses while you are typing. And I feel like a speech pathologist, we are naturals at this. It's what we do every day. We are very patient people. I'd like to think most of us are really patient. Um, but out in in public, like what what kind of challenges do you face, and what advice would you give to people that may feel uncomfortable? 
A lot of people see me in public, and may stare or give me and my caregiver annoyed looks. I've had people tell me my tablet is annoying, that I type too slow, pat me on the head, move my chair, or they just simply underestimate me and address questions to my caregiver instead of me. I've been called a lot of words that are very uncomfortable to repeat. I want people to presume competence and treat us like human beings. I'm a person with original thoughts and emotions, and I'm also an adult. Be patient with us as we type or select our words or icons on the AAC devices. Respect my autonomy and independence, and most of all, be kind. I love that. Thank you for that advice. Be kind overall. Respect that you're an adult, your autonomy, and be patient. I think that's a big thing in this world. Everyone seems to be in a hurry sometimes. And that's not, we all need to slow down and think about the ways to be kind. I We all follow you on Instagram. I, um, we on the Cup of Counsel podcast, but I also follow you on my personal one. And what I really, I've learned a lot. And I think that's what social media is good for is learning different viewpoints and learning um, different experiences of other people. I learned from you actually, um, and I guess this would would qualify under activism, your act, the activism that you're doing and bringing awareness to different things. Um, and I appreciate that. So thank you. I think people will put things on Instagram or social media and they don't know if people are looking at it or if anyone's going to care about it or, and just if you don't always get a like or a feedback or something, I don't think that necessarily means that you're not making an impact because you are, because I would look at some of your stuff and be like, Oh, I've never thought of it that way. And I would think about it and it's not something I would ever thought before I saw your post. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for putting that out there. I think in particular, one thing I was talking about, and I don't mean this to like bring up other groups or, but just in general, um, when autism awareness month was happening, I really enjoyed seeing your viewpoint on that and a different perspective, especially as an autistic person. <laughs> I have realized like some of these things are made by people who maybe don't have autism. Um, so it's nice to hear an autistic person's viewpoint on some of these things. And like I said, I think people's intentions are sometimes good, but may not always be the, the follow through may not always be the outcome that is desired maybe. Um, so I guess my long rambling is just if you have anything that you want to say about that, I guess that's more your that's your social media and that's your activism. But I appreciate it. And if there's anything that you would like to say about it or put out there or anything that you think is helpful that our listeners should maybe hear. I know that that's been insightful maybe for me. What what inspired you to start your Instagram? Yeah. Maybe what, what that inspiration what keeps is. You, <laughs> what, what keeps you going with it? I think that's the short of the very long that Joyner just gave, which you, she nothing tends I do. to do. Nothing I do is, is short. <laughs> Word salad. Word salad is what we call that. <laughs> it's a lot happening up in my brain. And then it just like 
falls out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yes. I really didn't think of anything when I started my Instagram. It was just a regular account with pictures of my cat, honestly. And then I did that Instagram takeover for Andy, where my poor caregiver had to explain to me how Instagram worked. And then suddenly there were a lot of people following me, and I was really very confused. (laughs) I kept pestering my caregiver and my fiancé both, asking them, where did all these people come from? My caregiver told me that they just want to learn. So I calmed down and said, okay, I can live with that. (laughs) I like being helpful. And that made me feel a little better because I'm not used to people noticing I exist. (laughs) I get anxious sometimes because people can be mean, but I also get really nice messages from people telling me how helpful I've been or from autistic people saying I've encouraged them to accept themselves more, or when I've been able to help parents access local resources to find grants and stuff. Being able to help people makes me really happy, flappy. So, Courtney, that's how I found you <laughs> was when you did the takeover for Andy. I don't know if it's put, put or put or or put. I don't know how you say her last name, but she's an SLP on Instagram and she's Mrs. Speechy P, I think is her handle, right? And you did a, a takeover for her one Saturday and I was obsessed. Like you had so many good things. People sent in lots of really great questions and you were just so like raw and like, this is how it is. And this is how, you know, how I've been treated. This is how I've like done with everything that you've, you know, had thrown your way. And, and yeah, you got a ton of followers from that. And I'm not surprised because you were so open. And I didn't realize until just now when you told us that, your Instagram account was just like a regular personal account. You didn't have any (laughs) idea where it was going to go or any intention really behind doing something like this, you know, but now you're like kind of a go-to for, for people who have questions. Um, And one thing I want to say too, that, well, everybody who's listening should follow you, of course. Um, But one thing that I think I really enjoy is you share you know, you're, you've been very open, especially recently about like meltdowns and what helps you recover from a meltdown and how that can look and sharing pictures of, you had a recent post, I think it was a picture of you like during or after a meltdown or something. Right. And, and just being very open and honest about that. Oh, your cat. Yes. (laughs) And how your cat helps. Yes. And, um, I also like how you explain, you know, stimming and the like hand flapping and and your different um, sensory tools that help you. So I think it's very, it's very insightful and good for people to have exposure to those things and to hear it from a person who is experiencing those things. So I'm curious about the name that you have. And if you could explain maybe to some of our listeners who might not know what stimming is, we know what stimming is, but that her handle is just keep stimming, which I'm assuming is a play on like Dory, (laughs) just keep swimming. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to explain a little bit about that 
and maybe tell our listeners what what stimming is? I'm trying to think of the clinical term for it, because for me, I'd describe it as something as important as breathing. It's important for self-regulation, expression, and just simply how we experience the world around us. It's those repetitive, stimulating actions you might see us do, like flapping, rocking, topping, stuff like that. It's honestly autistic language, and it can be beautiful. Of course, sometimes stems are not safe, and that's when redirecting to another stem can be helpful. But if it's not hurting anyone, it often serves a purpose. All right, well... I have a question that has nothing to Here do about it. Here we go. Just Courtney, sit back and relax. She's going to talk for about 20 minutes about nothing. <laughs> this is easy. Uh, I heard you say you have a fiance. Is this recently new or no? Yeah. It's been a while. Well, congratulations. I think that is my question, and I'm excited. I want to know what your plans are for the future. We've been engaged since 2016, but we will hopefully get married once we can figure out immigration. Which I'm sure presents with its own challenges. He is, where is he living right now? He lives in the UK, in Northern England. Okay. All right. So, yeah, you'd have to figure out. The immigration logistics. Well, we congratulations on that. And hopefully that you can figure that out. And so it's helpful for you guys in the future. We wish nothing but the best. Courtney, you have provided us with so much valuable information. What are your goals with your work and your activism? And what are your hopes for the future? So I'm hoping to eventually go back to college, especially since I only have one semester left to graduate. I'm on medical leave right now after the last brain injury from last year, so I'm not cleared yet. After that, I'm honestly not sure. Definitely advocacy related, that's for certain. My caregiver and I are thinking about starting up some coffee chats for people with disabilities in the area for socializing maybe, as a short-term goal. For long-term, I'd love to do something in honor of my youngest baby brother that passed away, who is also autistic like me. I've thought about doing things like starting some kind of educational program educate professionals about autism or disabilities in general. But I also am really passionate about the issue of filicide against people with disabilities. And I feel like there's something to be done there with educating people on the stigma and negative views of disabilities, especially with everything we experienced after he passed. It sounds like a lot of aspirations, a lot of good things, hopefully to come. And I hope you can go back to college and finish up, especially since you're so close. I know that was something that you and I chatted about, that you're a sociology major, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And I, I was just looking at your website here, too, because I think that's something worth mentioning to our listeners because I, and honestly, I've just kind of mostly been on your Instagram and I, this is the first time I've looked at your website. <laughs> um, 
And you have resources on there for people too, like printables and you've made visual schedules and some communication <laughs> boards that parents can use. I had no idea. So I think um, that is something for our listeners to know about too. Just keep stimming.com. There's a lot on here. All right. Well, Courtney, you definitely have taught us a whole bunch today. You've given us lots of things to think about. We hope our listeners have also learned something new um, and can take take something away from this conversation. So if you don't mind letting us know what's in your to-go cup today. My brain is very literal, so I actually look in my drink for a second there. But I suppose in my cup would be acceptance. Acceptance for breaking the barriers of what's considered the norm. Acceptance for neurodiversity and disability. And acceptance for the beautiful differences that each person brings, no matter how they communicate. Courtney, that was a great to-go cup to end on and a great way to end our episode. I think that is a wonderful hope for for the end of this. So we encourage you on that. We support you on that. And we cannot thank you enough for your time and your knowledge and your education. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for visiting today. All right. So that's a wrap. If you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we did, please don't forget to subscribe to the Cup of Council podcast. Follow us on Instagram at the Cup of Council podcast and on Facebook. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you liked what you heard, please hit subscribe or follow so you know each time a new episode is posted. Please do us a giant favor and join our Facebook group and follow our Instagram page, Cup of Council Podcast. A review would really help us out too. Let us know what you loved, what you want to hear more about, and what we could do to improve this podcast to make it the most meaningful for you. Thank you.